Welcome to the History Class Podcast, where we delve into historical events. Today, we'll be discussing World War I, one of humanity's deadliest wars. Joining me is Professor John, a history expert. We'll be examining the causes of World War I, key events, its global impact, and aftermath. Just a quick note, John is a fictional character. With that being said, let's dive into our discussion on World War I. First, we'll take a look at the scramble for colonies and the capitalist country's race for markets. We'll talk about how the capitalist industry aimed to produce more and more, and how the surplus wealth produced was used to expand European influence in Africa and other places. Next, we'll discuss the rise of monopoly capitalism, which became evident in the latter half of the 19th century. The alliance of industry and finance seeking profits in markets for goods and capital became a key characteristic of imperialism. Finally, we'll delve into imperialism and its essential characteristics. Capitalism inevitably led to imperialism, which according to Lenin was the highest stage of capitalism. Besides being a market for surplus goods, colonies also served another purpose. Imperialism became a total system, the logic of which was total militaricity and total war. Join us to explore the circumstances leading up to the outbreak of World War I. To start off, Professor John, can you give us an overview of the European colonized Italian in the 19th century? Sure. By 1880, most of Asia had been colonized, with only Africa left. After 1870, England, France, Belgium, Italy and Germany all joined the scramble for colonies in Africa, leading to frequent clashes between these great powers in Asia, Africa, and Europe. And how did this competition affect the relationships between these countries? The national rivalry between these powers led to frequent clashes, particularly in Asia and Africa. For example, Japan had emerged as an advanced industrialized power during the Meiji era, and their competition with other countries such as China and Russia led to the Sino-Japanese War and the Russo-Japanese War. Professor John, can you tell us more about Japan's rise to power in Asia during this time? During the Meiji era from 1867 to 1912, Japan adopted Western education and machinery, eventually becoming an equal to Western nations in many respects. They had a modern army and navy, and their victory over China in the Sino-Japanese War surprised the world. After the war, Japan entered into an alliance with England and defeated Russia in the Russo-Japanese War, solidifying their position as a great power in Asia. And how did Japan's strong-arm diplomacy affect their relationships with other countries? After 1905, Japan took control of Korean domestic and foreign policy and eventually annexed Korea in 1910. Their demand for the transfer of German rights in Shanting and recognition of their hold over Manchuria also caused hostility from both China and European powers. How about Africa? Can you give us a brief history of the colonization and its impact on the continent? By 1900, almost all of Africa had been colonized by Britain. France, and Belgium, with a few areas given to Germany and Italy. The first European attempts to carve out colonies in Africa resulted in bloody battles, with the French fighting a long and bitter war to conquer Algeria and Senegal and the British losing to the Zulus and the Sudanese army. 
it's clear that the competition for colonies and the desire for power had a significant impact on the world. Absolutely. The rivalry of the great powers led to many conflicts and tensions, shaping the world as we know it today. Let's start with the causes of World War I. What were the factors that led to the outbreak of the war? Well, there were several causes that led to the outbreak of World War I. First, there was the formation of European alliances and cower alliances, where five of the European great powers were divided into two armed camps, with one consisting of Germany, Austria-Hungary, and Italy, and the other consisting of France and Russia, who were later joined by Britain. And what about the growth of nationalism and the aggressive attitude of the German emperor, Kaiser Wilhelm II? Yes, the growth of nationalism, with the attitude of my country right or wrong I support it, and the aggressive attitude of Kaiser Wilhelm II, who proclaimed that Germany would be the leader of the world, also contributed to the outbreak of the war. And let's not forget about the hostility of France towards Germany and the political situation in the Balkans, where the Young Turk Revolution of 1908 and the Balkan Wars created tensions among the different countries in the region. And what led to the immediate cause of the war? The immediate cause was the assassination of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand, the heir to the Austro-Hungarian Empire, in Sarajevo, Bosnia. Austria saw this as an opportunity to eliminate Serbia as an independent state, and Germany declared war on Russia on August 1st, which eventually led to Britain's involvement due to the violation of Belgian neutrality. That's a lot of complex events leading up to the war. Can you briefly describe the course of the war? Sure. World War I was fought between two warring camps, the Central Powers, consisting of Germany, Austria-Hungary, and the Ottoman Empire, and the Allies, consisting of France, Russia, and Britain, and later joined by the United States and other countries. The war was fought primarily on two fronts, the Western Front, where the majority of the fighting took place, and the Eastern Front, where the fighting was mainly between Russia and the Central Powers. The war lasted for four years and resulted in the defeat of the Central Powers, leading to the signing of the Treaty of Versailles. Welcome to the next part of this episode, Revolutionary Moments. Let's start with a brief overview of the Russian Revolution. Can you give us a brief summary of what happened in 1917 and why it was unique in world history? Sure. The Russian Revolution was a series of events that took place in 1917, and it was unique in world history because it resulted in the establishment of the world's first communist state. The revolution was brought about by a combination of factors including social, political, and economic conditions in Russia at the time, including the loss and suffering caused by the First World War. There were two revolutions that year, the first in March and the second in November, both of which led to the collapse of the monarchy and the establishment of a socialist government under the leadership of Vladimir Lenin. Can you walk us through the main causes of the revolution? Of course, the main causes of the revolution can be divided into social and political causes. Socially, the Russian peasants were serfs tied to lands owned by wealthy Russians, and after the defeat in the Crimean War, some reforms were introduced, but the peasants were not given enough land to subsist. 
and this became a powder keg for the revolution. The laborers and workers whose numbers had increased with industrialization were also aggrieved as they received very low wages. Politically, the autocracy of the Tsar, Nicholas II of the Romanov dynasty, was a major factor in the revolution. He had little experience of government, and his wife, Serena Alexandra, was a dominant personality, and Nicholas was under her strong influence. Additionally, the Tsar encouraged Russian expansion in Manchuria, which led to a war with Japan in 1904, and the subsequent defeat resulted in strikes and riots. The Bloody Sunday Massacre in 1905, where police and soldiers fired on a procession of people demanding reforms, was also a turning point in the lead-up to the revolution. What role did revolutionaries play in the revolution? The spread of revolutionary ideas among the intelligentsia and their repression by the Tsar's government made socialist-minded students carry their propaganda to the peasantry. Soon, new ideas based on Marxist philosophy began to take shape, and a social and democratic labor party was formed. Additionally, the opposition to the Tsar and the dissolution of the Duma, the parliament established after the Bloody Sunday Massacre, also played a role in the revolution. The outbreak of the First World War temporarily strengthened the monarchy, but the situation changed with the arrival of Lenin, who was in Switzerland at the time of the revolution. His slogan of all power to the Soviets soon won over the workers' leaders, and the people, devastated by wartime shortages, were attracted by the slogan of bread, peace, and land. Can you tell us about the provisional government that was established after the March Revolution? Yes, after the March Revolution, two parallel bodies were established to take on government functions. One was the provisional government formed by the bourgeois politicians of the old state Duma, and the other was the Soviet, which was a council of workers' delegates drawn together from workers in different cities, including St. Petersburg. The Soviet was dominated by Mensheviks and the minority Bolsheviks were timid. Can you give us an overview of what the League of Nations was and its composition? Sure, the League of Nations was an international organization founded in 1920 after the First World War. It was created with the aim of promoting peace and cooperation among nations and resolving disputes through negotiation and arbitration. The League consisted of five bodies, the Assembly, the Council, the Secretariat, the Permanent Court of Justice, and the International Labor Organization. Each member country was represented in the Assembly, while the Council acted as the executive of the League and was made up of five permanent members Britain, France, Italy, Japan, and the United States. What were the objectives of the League of Nations? The two main objectives of the League of Nations were to prevent wars and maintain peace in the world, and to promote international cooperation in economic and social affairs. The League intended to act as a conciliator and arbitrator and resolve disputes before they escalated into conflicts. If a war did break out, the members were expected to apply economic sanctions first, followed by military sanctions against the aggressor. The League of Nations was seen as a significant step towards achieving world peace. Can you tell us about some of its activities and accomplishments? Yes, 
the League was successful in settling a few disputes in its early years. For example, in 1920, a dispute arose between Sweden and Finland over the sovereignty of the Åland Islands, and the League ruled that the islands should go to Finland. In 1921, the League was asked to settle the frontier between Poland and Germany in Upper Silesia, and the dispute was successfully resolved. In 1925, the League dealt with a dispute between Greece and Bulgaria and ordered a ceasefire. After investigation, the League blamed Greece and ordered it to pay reparations. However, after the Locarno Treaty was signed in 1925, the League struggled to achieve its objectives. Germany, Japan, and Italy, who were headed by dictators, refused to be bound by the orders of the League, and Britain and France were the only major powers that acted decisively. Yes, the League faced many challenges and violations in its attempts to maintain peace. Can you tell us about some of the most significant violations? Sure. In September 1931, Japan attacked Manchuria, and the League condemned Japan. In response, Japan resigned from the League. In 1935, Italy invaded Ethiopia, and the League applied sanctions, but Italy resigned from the League in 1937. The League was a passive witness to events such as the Rhineland, Austria, Czechoslovakia, and Poland, and took no action. Its last decisive action was in December 1939 when Russia was expelled for its attack on Finland. The Assembly did not meet again, and the League of Nations was dissolved in 1946. So, what were some of the causes of the failure of the League of Nations? The League appeared to be an organization of the victors of the First World War and lacked its own military power to enforce its decisions. The founders of the League underestimated the power of nationalism, and the principle of collective security could not be applied in actual practice. When Italy, Japan, and Germany, headed by dictators, refused to be bound by the League's orders, Britain and France were the only major powers that acted decisively. Thank you for tuning into the History Class Podcast. It's been a great pleasure discussing World War I with Professor John, who provided insightful perspectives on the causes, key events, global impact, and aftermath of the war. I hope you learned something new about this critical moment in history. Be sure to tune in next week for another exciting episode. Until then, thank you for listening and take care.